0: Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this message. So, um, yeah, this morning we are continuing with our messages on great faith. And last week we looked at how we looked at the Hebrew believers, and Pastor Chris was really looking at the fact that there is no shrinking back. Huh? There's no shrinking back. We need great faith to overcome great circumstances but there is no shrinking back and was looking at the hebrew believers and what they were faced with and so this morning we're going to continue by looking at enoch um the great faith of enoch so before we continue i just want to pray yeah i want to pray for us all before we continue so let's just pray Father, we just want to thank you so much <clears throat> for your word this morning. We thank you, Lord, that your word is living and active. And we pray, Lord, that as it goes out today, it will establish what you're sending it out to establish, oh, Father God, as we continue to seek you and cry out for great faith, Lord, we pray that you do it in our midst, oh, Father God, Lord, that you stir our hearts for greater things, oh, Father God, to stand on your truth, to stand on your word, Father God, we're so hungry, Father, to be the people that you desperately want us to be, oh, Father God, and therefore, as we go through this word and we examine your scriptures again, Father. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you continue to mold us and shape us into men and women of great faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at Enoch. I just need to remind us that the evening service is starting today, okay? For those that have been coming to the evening service, it is tonight at six o'clock. Don't forget, and if you're looking and you're thinking, ah, I don't really need to go to the evening service because I come to this service. Well, the evening service is for those people that we're trying to reach that cannot make it to the morning services. People that work on Sundays or they, they're busy with other things on a Sunday. We're saying there is no excuse because this evening we also have a service. So bring those people along and let's trust God for, for salvation and for God to move in their lives this year. Amen. So... The great faith of Enoch, When we, our text that we're focusing in, on is Hebrews 11. Okay? We're looking at the different people that are mentioned that had great faith, that trusted God for great stuff, for impossible situations. And so we hear about Enoch from Hebrews 11, verse 5 to 6. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible yeah, to please him. For whoever would draw near to God most must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Amen. That is our key uh, scripture for tonight. And it's such a powerful scripture. You know, the book of Hebrews was written for a community of believers that had given their lives to Jesus. They had converted from Judaism to becoming Christian. But with that came a great challenge. They were faced with a lot of obstacles. Huh? Because now there was persecution. People were questioning this the fact that they left Judaism to this newfound religion called Christianity. And they were being persecuted. Things like, because you have left who we truly are as Jews, we're not going to trade with you. You're not going to be part of our community. We're not going to talk to you. They were really being persecuted. And they were struggling and, and, and really feeling the pressure of being saved, of having given their lives to Jesus. So they were thinking maybe it's better to go back. Yeah? So they were at the point of making a decision to go back to, Ju- uh, to Judaism. And so the writer of Hebrews now is trying to encourage them not to go back, but stay the course. Yeah? So this is for us, and especially for those who have just given their life to the Lord. You're walking with the Lord. Your family is coming and they're saying, what is this thing that you're doing? I don't like this. Yeah. Maybe parents are also coming and saying if you do this, you I'm not you're not allowed to live in this house. If you're following this Jesus, I don't want to see you in my house or stuff like that. Yeah. So this is just put yourself in the in the shoes. This is the kind of pressure they were they were facing. So the writer had to now encourage them by looking at men and women who stood the test of time by standing on God's word and his promises, regardless of what was at stake for them. Amen. So one of the people there he mentions is Enoch. He first starts with Abel. How Abel was was really um, accepted by God and showed faith in God because of the offering he made to God. He saw that you need you need a, an offering that is worthy of God to be accepted by God. That's why his sacrifice was better than Cain's sacrifice. Yeah? But we know that today, God is not looking for sacrifices. Jesus paid the price once and for all. Yeah? In that time, it was necessary. But when Jesus came, he died. He was the worthy sacrifice that was sacrificed once and for all, for all men to enter into the kingdom of God, okay? So he starts with Abel and then he moves to Enoch. And then he says this about Enoch. He says that by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Reading it for the second time, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Yeah? So and then it continues to speak about how he was. So the, the the story of Enoch is really a story of a person that pleased God simply by his walk with God. Yeah? He pleased God in his walk with God. And that's why he's mentioned here. In case you're wondering, why Enoch? Why Enoch? He's mentioned here because he is the one guy. I mean, when we look at the rest of Hebrews, we see people that are mentioned because of their faith that led to certain things they did. Action. Yeah? Noah had faith in God, and that's why he built the ark. He spent about 120 years just building that thing. Abram had faith in God. That's why he was able to look back at this place of birth and look forward to a city which God was calling him to or a land of milk and honey that nobody had ever seen. But he had to trust God's word. That was Abram. So he saw God's blessing because of what he did. Moses was called to deliver the Israelites, out of slavery. So we know the action that that happened. And if we look further down, we see all the action that happened through all these men and great women of faith. But with Enoch, it simply says, and Enoch walked with God and was no more. Yeah? He walked with God. He is the guy that never died because of his relationship with God. Amen. Awesome. So... What is it about Enoch's walk that was so special? For us to understand this better, we have to look at the life of Enoch and really the character and and, and understand Enoch better so that we can really take out what God wants us to receive from the life of Enoch. Um, Enoch is an example of what it looks like to have faith in God in our mundane, everyday life. You know, as we're together now, we're trusting God for great things, right? Who is fasting? Who's fasting? Can I just see it? You're trusting God for great things. Your spiritual high is here, right? You're full of faith. You've made a commitment to come to church. You've made a commitment to see God. You've made a commitment to trust God for this specific thing, right? But we want to maintain that great faith throughout the rest of the year. Not just while there's a hype about fasting and praying. But the rest of the year, the rest of our lives, as we're going through our everyday activity, how do we maintain that great faith in our relationship with God? This is what it's about this morning, yeah? Because it's so easy. We've seen it so many times. It's easy to press in for the beginning of the year. Because now it's, it's time for change. You want to see change. You're pressing. And then you're excited about change. January. February. You're excited about change. March when it doesn't come. We start getting a bit cold. Yeah. I've met people who say. Yeah. No. I know people like you. Preaching the gospel to people like me. The first five years they are excited. Because they found Jesus. It's like wearing a new t-shirt. No. But just give them five years. They'll be back where I am here today. But God forbid. We are those that trust God, that put our lives in His hand, and we will continue to seek Him and follow Him for the rest of our lives, as Enoch did. Amen. So the story of Enoch starts in Genesis 5, verse 21 to 24. Um, Genesis 5 gives the genealogy of Noah. Okay? It's actually before the flood, it's explaining how Noah came into being. So it starts from Adam, looking all the way down from Adam to Noah, mentioning every crucial son that was born from one generation to the next. And then it gives an account of these men. And we'll find that Enoch is number seven on the list. So if you look at Genesis 5 in your Bibles, not the one that is projecting now, It will show you that every person that's mentioned in this passage, they mention who the person was, how long they lived for, who they birthed, and when they died. And you will be amazed to see that the years these guys lived were really long years. I mean, just look at Genesis 5, chapter 3. I'll just read here. Just listen to me. It says, When Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters altogether. Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. Okay? Then it goes on to the next person. When Seth, had lived, yeah? So it mentioned every single person, how long they lived for, how many children they had, and then they died. Every single one of them you'll read, it says, and then he died. And then he died. And then he died. And then he died. Then he died. But when it comes to Enoch, it's different. Yeah? With Enoch, it says... Genesis 5 verse 21 to 24, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Not days, 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not. For God took him. It doesn't say an Enoch died. It says an Enoch walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. Okay. So what is the summary of this passage that we're reading here concerning the life of Enoch? It is clear that um, in, 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 in Genesis 5, it shows us that Enoch was the son of Jared. Enoch fathered his first child, Methuselah, at the age of 65. Imagine having a child at the age of 65 today. It will be a miracle, medical breakthrough. It doesn't happen, right? Nowadays, when somebody, especially women, when they're nearing the age of 40, woo, dangerous, okay? Okay, with men, they still say, yes, later they can still have children, okay? But it's just amazing that he fathered his first child at the age of 65, okay? And this child was Methuselah, who lived to be 969 years. He was recorded to live the longest in the Bible. He's the guy that was recorded to have lived the longest, 969 years, Okay. Now, we know that doesn't happen nowadays anymore because it's clear in the account in Genesis 6, the Lord said, from this moment onwards, my spirit will only live in men for 120 years. So nobody, we, n- your faith will not allow you to live 969, okay? Because it's going against God's order, okay? So at the age of 65, he encountered God. It doesn't say anything about his first few years. But at the age of 65, when he fathered his first child, he encountered God. And from that moment onwards, he continued to live with God for 300 years. He walked with God. Okay, So something must have happened to him to have that revelation that I want to walk with God. I want to have a relationship with this one true God. Because remember, this was after Adam's son had entered. The relationship between man and God wasn't so great. Evil was increasing. But here, Enoch had a revelation yeah? that he, he wanted to walk with God. So we don't know what it is. We don't know what he encountered there. Yeah? Maybe it's because he became a parent, because parenting really makes you need the Lord more. I don't know what it is. Yeah? But something must have happened to him where he encountered God, And he decided to walk with God. And his walk with God was 300 years. And he stayed with God. For the rest of his life, he walked with God. And then he died. I mean, not he died, sorry. And then God took him up. Because his walk with God was so pleasing to him. So what can we learn from Enoch? Looking at our lives, and as we think about Being people of great faith. First of all, in the passage that we're focusing on in the book of Hebrew, it's clear that we see that Enoch walked with God. That's something that is highlighted. We also see that Enoch pleased God. And we see that Enoch believed God. So let's have a look at this walk that Enoch had where he walked with God faithfully. Walking with God... This is a walk for 300 years, faithfully. And it is a walk with God that the more he stayed with God, the longer he walked with God, the deeper he he became with God, the closer he got to God, and the more God got pleased with his walk that he took him. It is not the kind of walk that a lot of us are used to these days where we see people are like, yeah, now that you know the Lord, now you're passionate, but two years down the line, the passion will be less, less, and then wait until the kids come, then you want to have a lot of passion. No. Yeah? It is a walk that was increasingly becoming better, so much so that it, it, it grabbed God's heart and said, this man will not die. We only hear of two people in the Bible who didn't die. That's Enoch and Elijah. These are the guys that were taken up, yeah? So Enoch was able to walk for 300 years faithfully with God. You'll be amazed at how some people are praying like, Oh God, I don't want to backslide, please Jesus, just come quickly already, you know? They're praying for Jesus to come sooner while they're still hot with passion for God because there's this fear that the world is becoming increasingly wicked and they're not sure whether they can stand. And during Enoch's time, there was wickedness. Don't think the time that Enoch was living, it was just like, oh, everybody was still serving God. No, there was a lot of wickedness. In fact, if you read the book of Jude, which is a very short book, you can read it in one sitting. It really, it it shows, it it refers to Enoch warning people of the judgment of God to come. Because they were living wicked lives. So there was wickedness in his time as well. There was. So he was able to stand the test of time. 300 years. (laughs) So, yeah. So he desired God wholeheartedly. This is what we can learn. And as we're seeking God and, and really giving ourselves to this time of prayer and fasting, we have to desire God wholeheartedly. What does that mean? It means that we center everything that we do around God. We don't center God around our activities, but we center activities around God because we recognize that God is the King of Kings and He is the Lord of Lords and we want to serve Him no matter what. Yeah? And this was Enoch's attitude. He wanted to walk with God regardless of the pressures that he was with. He faced with. He had a desire and a passion to be intimate with God. We see intimacy. This walk is not a religious walk. It's not coming to church on Sunday to do my religious duty because it is expected of me to be at church on Sunday, you know? Because a lot of people still do church on Sunday. Sunday is the day to go to church. We come to church on Sunday, then it's over, yeah? This is a walk of life. This is what he chose to do for the rest of his life every day. He walked and he desired God. And and it means that he was growing in intimacy. We have to cultivate that place of intimacy with God. And how do we do that? There, There are two things that we can do that will help us. The first thing is, it's not in these notes, but I want to mention them. The first thing is that discipline. For us to continue having faith, staying the course takes discipline. And what is this discipline in? disciplining ourselves in the spiritual disciplines, yeah? So we take and we make time to spend with God in the mornings. Outside of the Sunday, we are spending time with God early in the morning as you wake up or late at night before you go to bed. You're spending time with God. You're worshiping God. You're spending time in His Word, reading His Word. You're spending time fasting and praying and seeking Him. You're spending time crying out for more of Him. You're saying, God, I'm not satisfied with yesterday. I know there's more. You're pressing in. You're pushing in. You're crying out. You're saying, God, there's got to be more and I want this more. I want to have that intimate relationship with You. I want to connect with You. I want to hear Your thoughts. I want to understand Your mind. I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to live the life that You've called me to live. So that is the intimacy that we're cultivating by these spiritual disciplines. We're not just doing them because it's what's expected of us. We're doing them because we know that as we do it, we're growing in God. Yeah? So those disciplines are so important, friends. Let us not leave them behind. The second thing is cultivating the presence of God. Being aware of the fact that God is everywhere. Yeah? As you leave your house this morning, God is with you. So when we leave church, we don't leave church, God, behind and we go. Yeah? We, we know God is coming with us. He's with us. As we're driving, God is with us. As we're at work, He's with us. As we're taking that cup of coffee before the board meeting, God is with us. And perhaps He wants to whisper something concerning that board meeting. As, as, as you're putting your children to bed at night, at night God is there. And perhaps he wants you to pray a specific way because he sees what the enemy wants to do. As, you, just as we're going about our everyday life, and, and, and we have to train ourselves. We have to train ourselves to understand that God is with us all the time, every day, 24 hours. Yeah? All the time. Yeah. When, we, when we are aware of this, it changes the way we see things. It changes the way we speak. Yeah? It just, it really, it, it revolutionizes our whole lives because we are aware that we are walking with God. So we, we want that intimacy. We don't want religion. Because when, the, whatever you cultivate in the private time with your God will spill over. We're living from that place of intimacy. And so it comes through discipline and it comes from the awareness that practicing the presence of God. Because the more we spend time with God, the more we understand him, the more we we hear him, the more we're in tune with him. So the God that we worship lives through us more and more. That's why the Bible says that those worship idols are like them. Yeah? They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have a mouth, but they cannot speak. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Why? Because they're worshiping a graven image that cannot speak, cannot hear, doesn't do anything. So we become what we worship. So as we're worshiping and spending time with God in that place of intimacy, we understand him more. And this is what Enoch really um, believe this walk was. It wasn't just a walk of, oh, I'm walking with God, going for a story. No, it wasn't. It, it's a walk of intimacy, having an intimate relationship with God mm-hmm. and not being in that place of thinking that, um, that, yeah, not religion. And we need to understand that. As we we see God wholeheartedly, God wants to connect with every single person here. Every single person sitting here today, God wants you to have a personal relationship with you that connects you directly to him. The reason why the veil was torn when Jesus died was to say there is no more separation. There is no more veil between man and God. But God has made a way through Jesus Christ for every man to enter a relationship. So there's no mediator needed. In those days, it was the priest that had to come listen and speak to God on behalf of the people, hear what the people were saying, and take the things of the people to God. Yeah? But nowadays, God wants to hear your voice. He wants to have a personal relationship with every single person sitting here. We don't need a mediator in our relationship. Do we need pastors? Yes. Do we need prophets? Yes. Evangelists and those guys? Yes. Why? They're there to help the sheep. They're there to teach the sheep, to prepare them for the works of services. But they're not here to be the person between your relationship with God. Listening to you, taking to God, listening to God, taking to you. No. Yeah. So the sad thing is that there's so many people still looking for mediators. Looking for God to speak to them through the most anointed prophet. The most anointed man of God. Oh, I just need that word from them. Guys, God wants to speak to you. If we just desire him wholeheartedly and seek him wholeheartedly, we will hear his voice. We will have an intimate relationship with him. It is reserved for every single child of God to have. So we have to desire God wholeheartedly. We need to have that daily communion with God and fellowship with God. God, you know that God wants to fellowship with us? Just as when he created Adam and Eve, the Bible says that he used to fellowship with them daily. God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. The only reason that stopped was because of sin that entered the world. The world. Do we, do, we, do we remember that? Yeah? So in our everyday lives, yeah, in the, in the noises of all that has to happen, the rush of waking up into the, in the morning, running to take a taxi to go to work or to start the car and drop the kids and all that, God is present. And He wants us to know that He is present. He doesn't want us to forget Him now and then we remember Him later. No, he wants us to know that we, we, he is with us and he will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. Amen. And then the other thing is that for us to walk faithfully with God, we need to stay on the path. We have to stay on the path that God has chosen for us to stay on. Yeah. And it's a narrow path. It's not always easy. But there is grace. I like that picture because it says, unless you like flat tires, stay on the path. Yeah, Because some people know, this is the path that God had chosen for me. This is where God is directing me. This is what God is saying in his word. But this is what the people are doing. And this is what seems to be popular nowadays. And this is what seems to be more fun. So I'm going to follow that. No. Stay on the path. There is blessing on the path. There is destiny on the path. There is reward on the path. There is life on the path. Lest we get off the path, follow another path, and find destruction and death. Yeah. It is the only way we're going to finish this race. Enoch lived for 300 years and he's walked pleased with God, and, uh, pleased God until the end. Yeah? Now, with some of us, there may be bumpy roads and all that, but I want to say, and especially young people who get saved, there seems to be this, um, there's there's almost like a norm that when somebody got saved young, because they didn't experience the worldliness, they didn't have that, so they got saved young, then they say, okay, just wait, give them some time. When they leave home, they go to varsity or something, then they become crazy. Now the, the restraint is cast off, and now my parents, it's, it's, it's like there's this norm that children that have been raised in the ways of the Lord, in, with God, walking with God, at some stage, they must become rebellious. It's like it's become a norm. No? Pastors, kids, at some stage, they must become rebellious, and first of all, for 5, maybe 10, some even for 20 years, not serving God, living in their own lives, and then coming back. It, it doesn't have to be a norm. It really doesn't. Yeah? God wants us to encounter Him, to know Him, and to, to walk with, us, with Him. To live lives that are worthy of Him for the rest of our lives. Yeah? To live the life that He's called us to live. Yeah? He doesn't want this for us. You know? Yeah, I, I met the Lord when I was really young and I think it was just the indoctrination of my parents and then, so I'm finding my way now. No, 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 yeah? Let's stay on the path, no? and, and And I really have this burden, especially for young people, yeah? You got saved at the age of 20, you stay saved. Until the age of 80, you are passionate and fervent for the things of God as you were when you got saved at the age of 20, amen? Amen? This generation will be like that. Yeah. As we're taking time to have great faith, let that also be part of your great faith. That God, no matter what happens, I'm going to hold on to your promises. I'm going to hold on to your word. And I'm going to continue living this life until I, until I grow old like Caleb. Yeah? So it's so important for us to stay on the path. Let us stay on the path that God has chosen for us, friends. Let us. Yeah, let us really desire God and stay with Him and not be pressured by all these other things that are coming. Seasons changed. The world changes. There's so many things coming in and leaving and all that. There are a lot of pressures that we can be faced with, but God stands still in all of those things. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we don't have to change now because things look different today. We have to follow the voice of God. We have to stay on the path of God. Amen. Amen. Another thing that we can learn about Enoch is that he pleased God. How did he please God? Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. He pleased God because it was his faith in God. That made him want to walk with God. He had faith that there is a God. And therefore he wanted to walk with this God. And his walk was pleasing to God. So he pleased God. Because of his faith. Now the Bible doesn't say that. Without faith. You may. Please God. Without faith. You mildly please God. Without faith. It could be tough to please God. It says without faith it is impossible to please God. We cannot please God if we do not have faith. The Bible says whatever is done but it is not done in faith is almost like wickedness. So for us to please God, we must have faith. Faith is the thing that pleases God. Because even before we get saved, we have to give our heart to this Jesus we haven't seen, we've heard of. We come to him and we say, Lord, I give you my life. That is an act of faith. Because yeah? we're giving our life to somebody that we don't, we, we don't know, we've heard of. And as we take that step of faith, he teaches us his ways. Blessed are you when you come to God without seeing. Because that is showing faith. Huh? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And that's why year after year, we always stress faith in this church. We, we stress faith because it is the thing that is going to help us see the kingdom of God being manifested in our lives. Faith is the thing that is going to help us be able to walk this walk with God. We cannot walk it apart from faith because there are so many things that are calling for our attention. What is the thing that keeps us standing in the midst of trouble, in the midst of of wavering people and things changing and all sorts of things? It is faith in God. It is the fact that we believe that this word that God has given us will not pass away. Yeah? So His promises are yes and amen, and we're standing on it. Yeah? So we have faith to trust God for the impossible, for the things that are unseen, but we know God has promised these things to us, and we walk this Christian life by faith. If we do not have faith, we will not stand. It said, the Bible says if we if we fall in the day of adversity, how small is our faith? Yeah. And we get tested. We get tested in our lives. We do. But we stand because of faith. Yeah. Faith is the thing that is gonna cause us to rise up. And be the sons and daughters that God has called us to be. Faith is the thing that is going to cause you to say no when people want you to join the company's corrupt group. Faith is the thing that, you know, because nobody's really going to like you. Yeah? Nobody's going to like you because now... You've got faith in God. You're standing on the promises of God. You're walking on the path of God. And people are like, this Christian here, they think they're holier than thou. They're doing this. It doesn't matter. Because guess what? You're here to please God and not people. You're not going to allow your faith to waver. Yeah? Amen. Faith is a thing that in the midst of the world economic crisis that will allow us to stand and say that I will have everything that I need. God will meet my needs. Yeah? Faith is the thing that is going to allow you to stand when that business that God has promised you is not doing well. Faith is the thing that is going to allow you to stand when you're starting to have second thoughts in, your, in the career path that God has placed on you because the journey is becoming tough. Maybe the subjects are not as easy as you thought they were. Faith is the thing that is going to make business people say that even though we are faced with this economic crisis, while others are retrenching, we will be recruiting. While others are cutting salaries, we will be increasing salaries. Why? Because we are not defined by what we are seeing here on earth. We are defined by the economy of heaven. Amen. Yeah? And it takes faith. Faith is the thing that made that lady... Take the last coin that she had in her pocket and put it in the offering basket. Because she trusted that God will take care of the rest of their needs. Yeah? Sometimes faith will require us to go beyond our budgets. Yeah? Because when God speaks, we need to be swift to act. We need to be swift. In our faith, faith is action. Faith is not, oh, Lord, we are trusting you for great faith, great faith. What are you stepping out to do as we're trusting God for great faith? Yeah? There are things that you're trusting God for. You've written them down. This is what I want to do. Now, when God says, get out of the boat, are we ready to get out of the boat? Yeah? Because sometimes we just want to be comfortable. And say, Lord, I'm just here. I've got faith in you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. I've got faith that you're going to provide. I've got faith that, you know, you're going to give me that job. What are you doing? Yeah? Faith is the thing that pleases God. Without faith, it is impossible. And it is the opposite of fear. It is the opposite of all this pity party. So many Christians, you know, when we're trusting God for things, We are like wailing and saying, oh, God, you know, I just, I really just want you to come through for me. Oh, Lord, please just come through for me. You know, we're crying out, Lord, please. And, you know, look at me. I don't have shoes. I don't have this. You know, and we're just wailing in front of God. What happens to people that wail in the Bible? That are moaning and complaining and just hoping that by them having self-pity, God is going to come through for them. What happens to those people? Hmm? They miss out on the promised land. They do. They really do. But the people who say, God, I don't have shoes, but I know you're going to provide. So I'm going to go out. Even if this is my last pair of shoes, I'm still going to walk with it. I'm, still, I'm trusting you and you will come through. Those are the people that attract the move of God. Yeah. But if we are there saying, oh, God, feeling sorry for ourselves, the Holy Spirit is just saying, get up. Get up. Who are you? You're a child of God. You're chosen of God. He has given you his promises according to his word that you will lack nothing. Yeah. No? The righteous, the righteous God takes care of. So why must we fear? Yeah? Why must we beg God for what he already said we can have? And then sometimes we're begging and we're not even sure it's going to come through. Then we say, oh, Lord, just your will. Let your will be done, Lord. And God is saying, I have shown you my will through my word. Yeah? Whining and complaining is not humility. It's not. Yeah? It is something that's really so bad in the kingdom. It's it's a bad spirit. It doesn't attract God at all. Yeah? We need to rise up above that. When we see things are not the way... We want them to be. We're trusting God. According to God's promises, we rise up and we say, God, we do not accept this as children of God. I am your child. You have called me. You have raised me up for such a time as this. Your promises are yes and amen. You're calling me to go forward. You have have promised me great things in your word. You said your miracle signs and wonders will follow me. You said blessing. I've got the blessing of Abraham upon my life. You say healing is my portion in you. You say all these things. This is what we're trusting God for. And he will come through. God will come through. He will come through. He will come through. There's just no question about it. Amen. So we please God by extending our faith faith or living by faith. And sometimes faith (laughs) makes you do crazy things. I mean, we had a first testimony during this week of someone who was really trusting God. God spoke to her, said, I'm gonna bless you with a holiday. And they were trusting God. They went, they booked the ticket, everything. The only thing is they didn't have the money. Yeah? Until the day the plane was leaving, they did not have the money to pay that plane ticket. But the night before, they were packing their bags, preparing for the trip. They packed their bags, they said every they even said goodbye after the prayer. They said goodbye to everybody. Guy guys. I'll see you, I'll see you when I come back in February from my trip. And guess what? That ticket was paid for. And as we're speaking now, they're out of the country. That is faith. Yeah? And that is what pleases God. When you stand on His Word and you say, God, I will not waver. Because we know what the Bible says, a double-minded man receives nothing from the Lord. If we waver, we will not receive the promises of God, but we stand firm, we will receive them. Amen. Amen. And then we see what we can learn from Enoch in Hebrews 11, verse 6. It also says that for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You must believe that God exists. Yeah. And I often say to people that I'm so glad I live in Africa because the problem in Africa is not does God exist. Most Africans believe in a God. The problem is not whether God exists or not. The problem is just which God? (laughs) What does this God that you believe in look like? Is he a distant God that you need a mediator to reach through ancestors or a prophet or somebody else that can connect you to God? Yeah? Or is it a God that wants to walk intimately with you? That, that is the problem that we're battling with in Africa. It's not whether God exists or not. Very few people will be like, no, I don't, I don't, you know. So the thing is more like, do we believe that God is who he says he is? Do we believe in this God of the Bible? Yeah? That he is the greater I am and that he has, that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You know, most of us, it's funny, like often we talk and we ask, uh, we have discussions on why like people join church and they come to churches and some people feel like, okay, now I'm at the age where I I want to get married. So I need to go to church to find a good Christian wife or I'm trusting God for a new job or I'm trusting God for a car. You know, people come to God because they are looking for rewards. (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah. But God is a rewarder. The word says that. If we seek Him, the God that is rewards those who seek Him. So first, we need to seek God and not just the rewards. But when we seek God, we must know that there will be rewards for those that seek God. Don't think that as we're praying and fasting and crying out for God, He's not going to answer. His reward is with Him. Every person that looks at us that are serving God, they want to know what is it that God has done for you. How different is this God for you? How important is He in, his, in your life that I need Him? What does He do? Yeah? That's why in, 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 um, in Elijah's time, you can see when there was the, uh, the, the contest between the gods, yeah? And the prophets of Baal and, and, and Elijah and his God, and they were saying, let us see who the one true God is because the God that answers by fire is the true God, yeah? So there was a competition. Let's see now. So when people look at, 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 at Christians, they, they want to know, what has this God done for you? Because if this God has power, is it, if he's the almighty God, then it should be emanating through your life. Huh? If the person is born again and they're saying they're serving this God and God is mighty, is powerful, but they're constantly failing, they drive broken down cars, they, you know, the life is almost like a mess. It's almost like people are like, okay, I, I'm not sure if I want to follow that God. Isn't it? Let's just be honest. Amen. Yeah. Because we know that when we seek this God, he rewards us with blessing. Yeah. We see miracle signs and wonders. Healing is our portion in him. We see him move on our behalf. He fights our enemies. He does great things in our lives because of the, that we may be able because he wants to glorify himself through us. So God does reward as we're seeking him. You know, two people get saved. One takes time to cry out to God, constantly praying, seeking him, fasting. And the other one comes to church every now and then and then chooses friends over God, chooses what's happening in the world compared to God's standards. And every now and then they're falling and then they're coming back to God. Yeah? But they don't really spend time in prayer and seeking God and fasting. Obviously, the one that seeks God and is crying out to God, the fruit of the Spirit of God and the fruit of God's presence in their lives will be more evident. Why? Because they're paying the price to be connected to this God. Isn't it? If we don't pay the price, look, salvation is for free. There's, there, there's no price for salvation. But if you want to grow in your relationship with God, if you want to see God manifest His kingdom through you or through us, if you want to see God doing mighty exploits, we have to pay a price for it. And that price is that cultivating that intimacy and seeking Him wholeheartedly. It's not just going to happen by itself. Yeah. Amen. So I really want to pray, us, pray for us this morning if we could just all stand and just receive what God wants to do this morning in this area of walking with God that we will desire to have a lifelong relationship with Jesus characterized by faith in every season. Even when things are getting tough, when there are mountains and all sorts of things, we continue to press in. We continue to be full of faith. We recognize that as a knock of the enemy or a test, but we do not pull back. And this morning, I really sense that God wanted to minister to people who have kind of grown. They're pulling back. You're, You're almost like reserved in your trust for God for big things. Because you felt like He disappointed you at some stage. You felt like you were trusting Him for certain things, and it didn't happen that way. And so you felt disappointed, and it's almost like as, we tr- as we're going through this time of, of trusting God for great faith, your faith is still feeling very weak. You're still like, I'm trying to get up, but I can't because the last time I did this, I took the risk, and I, I almost, it's like I got burned. If that's you this morning, I really just want to pray for you. Please just raise your hand so that we can pray for faith to be restored. To be restored to strength, to great faith. Where it was, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. With all these hands lifted up this morning, Lord, I thank you, Father God, that you restore our relationship with you, Father God. You restore the faith that we had in you, Father God. And so, Lord, for every single person that is here this morning that is crying out saying, God, I do not have faith the way I used to, Lord, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you come right now and deposit even greater faith. Than what was in the past. Right now in the name of Jesus. I speak to their hearts right now. I speak to their minds. Lord father God. That they will not reason things away father. But they will trust you. They will have faith in you right now. In the name of Jesus. I say let faith rise up. In Jesus name. Let faith rise up. In Jesus name. We thank you for that daddy. We thank you for increased faith. Faith in you. Faith in the things of you. Faith to do the things that you said that they can do. Faith in their everyday walk with you, Father God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for that. I thank you for that. This lady with the black right here, I really just sense the Lord saying that he is restoring your faith. You are a great woman of faith. He is gonna use you again to even restore faith in others. There's been a time where you've been questioning God and just asking God, "What is going on? Where am I with you? What what is happening?" And God just wants you to know that He is taking you deeper. You have it, it's He is not displeased with you. He's He has not removed Himself from you. He's just saying, in this season, I want you. To seek me even more because I'm taking you deeper. The things that you've been used to me doing are not the things that I'm doing in this season, and that will require you to see a new to see a, a new dimension of me. So he's cr- he's saying that you need to cry out for him more, spend more time in prayer. I see him calling you into more time with in prayer with him, just crying out to him. But he's he's really going to restore that that area that you're trusting him for that has has been holding you it's almost like you you're very careful with him now because of that area that you know where you need him to come and work through so father we thank you for that right now in the mighty name of jesus thank you father thank you for that now i want to pray for those that are still trusting god for impossible situations right now you're trusting god for things that you're looking at and you're thinking this mountain is too big you're saying it's too big i don't know but you are saying god i'm still trusting but it's almost like you're saying, yeah, I'm just trusting because that's all I have to do. If that's you this morning and you, you see an impossibility, a mountain, that you're like, I don't know how it's going to move. But I'm trusting God together. We want to pray into that. Is there anyone like that? Trusting God for an impossible situation right now. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, if you're standing next to them and you've not lifted your hand, please just put your hand next to them. I mean on them as agreement with them. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for breakthrough for every single impossible situation that is presented here, Father God. Whether it be finances, whether it be health, whether it be anything, Father God, nothing is impossible with you, Father God. We choose to believe your report this morning, oh, Father God. We choose to report, I mean, to believe what you're saying, not what people are saying not what the doctor is saying, not what the parents are saying, not what, whatever is contrary to your will, that voice that is speaking this morning, that wants to derail, that wants to, to bring coldness in our hearts. We refuse this morning in the name of Jesus. And we say, God, be lifted up. And there's a third person or be a group of people that I want to speak to this morning. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the first place where we show faith is by giving our lives to Him. And if you're here this morning and you're not in a relationship with God, you have not given your life to the Lord to say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. God wants you to be in relationship with Him. He wants you to be reconciled. So if there's anyone this morning you want to give your life to the Lord, is there anybody? Please just lift your hand. I want to pray with you this morning. We want to come into agreement with that. Is there anyone? Anyone? Just raise your hand. Raise your hand high so that I can see it. I see that hand. Is there anyone else? Is there anybody else? Yes. Amen. We thank you, Lord, for those hands. Now, I want to call those people that just raised their hands. I want you to be bold this morning. I just want to ask you to please come to the front because God wants to welcome you into his house and he wants to minister to you. So please just come. Give them a hand. Come to the front. There is celebration in heaven. There is celebration in heaven this morning. There is celebration in heaven this morning. Thank you, Jesus. There was another hand. There was another hand here somewhere. There's another hand here. I still want to give you an opportunity. Don't be shy. This is the moment. This is the moment to give your life to the Lord. So I just want us to join in and just agree with prayer. Welcome, our brother. And so I just want you to repeat this prayer after me and everybody else just to agree. So we say, Father, I recognize that I'm a sinner. And that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me. To pay the penalty for sin in my life. And to restore me back in relationship with you. And right now, Lord, I come before you and I surrender my life to you. I say, Lord, come into my life and make my life born again. In Jesus' name, I thank you. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.